0: And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited-edition, ultra-low-net-carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hey, my friends. We will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. You're listening to the Think Unbroken podcast and I'm your host, Michael Unbroken. I'm an author, speaker, coach, and advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma and abuse. In this podcast, you will learn how to transform your trauma into triumph, turn breakdowns into breakthroughs, and go from victim to being the hero of your own story. You can learn more at thinkunbrokenpodcast.com. And of course, check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Think Unbroken
1: Podcast.
0: Hey, Ross Gay, how are you, my friend? Thank you so much for spending some time with the Unbroken Nation and being a part of the podcast today. How are you?
1: I'm good, I'm good. It's good to be with you.
0: Yeah, same. So, Ross, I, I came across you when I was participating in the collective trauma collective trauma summit, um, which was a, a really beautiful event built around helping people step into what's next in their life. Um, I have so many different questions and so many things I want to ask you today as we hang out. But what comes to mind immediately is how did you find yourself there
1: at that at that collective trauma summit? Yeah, you know, uh, a friend. Um, reached out and how it goes so often. A friend, it was a a friend of a dear, dear friend, um, who I hadn't seen actually in years. Um, reached out and it sounded like a a good, um, project and interesting sort of gathering of questions and voices. And so that's actually how I got there. It was, you know, a friend saying, Hey, you want to do this thing?
0: Yeah, it's impactful. You know, I I think about the power of words and and you being a poet and and me being a writer and how in those moments of taking these things that live within us, whether they be our observations or our understanding of the word and placing them on paper and something about that creates catharsis, right? I I was reading one of your poems, which I I feel like is excessively beautiful, um, called Catalog of Unabashed Gratitude. And, Mm. And you wrote and thank you for not taking my pal when the engine of his mind dragged him to swig fistfuls of Xanax and a bottle or two of booze. And, and that sat with me in such a deep, intense way as, as one having my own battles with, with attempts at suicide and seeing that in my family and my friends and community and, and recognizing that this thing that we have within us as human beings innately in writing can be such a powerful tool not only for assessing and understanding a situation, but for healing. Um, Yeah. What was that like for you to write something so potent and so powerful and intimate and then to share it?
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I'm doing um, I'm sort of in the middle of this writing, writing, I'm in the middle of a writing project where I feel deep in the middle of this question um, is that, you know, for me, often the process of writing is such a process of discovering, it's such a process of re-encountering or encountering a new stuff that I thought that I had sort of understood. So, you know, I'm writing right now about I'm writing this book um, with a friend about basketball, Um, but it's not about basketball. It's about sort of expectation and it's about disappointment and it's about care and it's about all of, you know, all of these things that sort of circle and family and, um, and I'm sort of in, I'm sort of telling these stories or re-encountering these stories um, sort of things that I feel like I'm familiar with in my life. And there's a way that I'm going to the page and I'm like, I wonder what I'm going to find out today, <laughs> you yeah. know? So, and it's, and partly what that points to is that my relationship to writing is, it's very much, it's not a kind of experience of, uh, of my experience of writing is not an experience of, of um, expressing what I know, and it's, it's an experience of finding out what I did not know, you know? So the metaphor that I use often is like listening when I'm writing and when I'm writing well, I think, I'm listening to something that I don't know how to listen for, hmm. you know? Yeah, so that's the sort of, that's the thing, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's really beautiful. And I think that's so much of the, the journey of everything that we do in life is like I, I my motto in life is shut up and listen to the universe right mm-hmm, because mm-hmm, so yeah, often yeah. if you if you find that place where you're willing to sit you make discovery but I want to I want to take a step back real quick so you grew up on the east coast yeah and now mm-hmm. you find yourself in in my stomping grounds a bit there in central Indiana now teaching yeah. at Bloomington at IU um, mm-hmm. what's your journey man how, how do you go from here west coast of finding yourself in the heartland
1: yeah yeah well it's basically there was a good job and i applied for it and you know the way of like being a being you know the way of like being a college teacher for the most part is that you kind of follow a job um, a lot of people obviously like that but so there was just like a good you know what seemed like a good job and i applied for it and never in a million years thought actually that i'd be in Indiana which is an Indiana Indiana though it it's you know I have my folks are both from the midwest so it wasn't like you know the midwest is not um unfamiliar to me my father's from Ohio Youngstown Ohio and my mother's from Minnesota kind of northern Minnesota um but I'd never actually I'd been through Indiana but I hadn't been to Indiana um and it was sort of a long shot I I had no sense that this would actually happen and <laughs> And now I live in Bloomington and I've lived here for like 13 years and, you know, I've, I've had some of the, of course, like most important relationships of my life, I've been involved, there's this community orchard here in Bloomington, I don't know if you know about it, but there's this community orchard and it's just kind of like, just this long going, it's 10 years, it's been 10, a 10 year um, anniversary just happened in October. And it's been this long sort of study in how to sort of be a neighbor. You know, we grow fruit trees, you know, we have these classes about how to you know, do various, various aspects of orcharding, but it's really this long-term study of like how to cultivate and how to practice being a neighbor. And I think of like, you know, had I not come to Bloomington I wouldn't have had the opportunity to be in this deep study of that question, how to be in community and how to be a neighbor. I would not have had that question sort of sharpened in my mind, even as a question to have, you know, or yeah. maybe I wouldn't
0: have. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to take it back a little bit further. So now being a writer, being a poet and, and stepping into that, you know, I, I look at words as power and I, I yes. constantly am reminding myself and, and even the people who listen to this podcast that our lives are so defined by the ways in which we choose to define them, right? The power mm-hmm. that we give to words is the same power that we receive from them. What, mm-hmm. what kind of role has writing played in your life?
1: It's a big role. You know, as a kid, I wasn't like a, I wasn't a reader as a kid. You know, I read Power Man and Iron Fist comic books when I was a little kid, you know, <laughs> and read them all, you know. Um, so I had a little bit of that kind of life, but I wasn't like a kid who is sort. Of, you know, like some kids are readers and you kind of, when they're little, they're like, they know they're going to be writers and all that stuff. But I was... Um, you know i was like a i was into sports i played football and basketball i skateboarded those were my interests really and i wasn't interested in school except i'm writing a lot about this except as a place to kind of run from you know i like to go there and then like with my buddies like you know leave in a certain kind of way um and but when i started to get you know i went to college i played football in college and when i you know, I was having a hard time in school for various reasons. And, and I feel like I, I had a teacher actually who introduced me to a poet named Amiri Baraka. And I suddenly was sort of, I, among the feelings I was, I was having was a kind of profound alienation, you know, that had to do with money and had to do with race and had to do with all these things. But I encountered a poet who I could see was articulating and holding some of the questions, you know, he was holding some of the questions that I did not even know how to sort of raise the consciousness, except as, you know, something I was irate about or something I was just like, you know, infuriated about, but he reading a poem, like, like an agony is now is like one of the poems. Um, Of his that kind of changed my life. It started making me think, oh, this is an amazing thing to do—to be able to sort of hold a question for someone, so that they can hold it themselves in a new way or something like that. Offer a question, shed light on a question. I don't even know. Um, And and then I started writing in a very serious way. And um, you know, I often say that writing is thinking. You know, writing is thinking. Um, so for me, one of the ways that I do my thinking is by writing, I think through things through my writing, but it's also one of the ways that I think that I, I sort of, it's one of the ways that I actually sort of settled down into a kind of mystery into what I do not know and probably what I will never know too, you know, but it's one of the places where I sort of, you know, I'm talking about like listening to what I don't know how to listen to. I feel like it might be a way of like entering into that that you know the profound mysteries and sort of trying to settle in there a little bit and, and and see see what I can hear or something like that, you know. And some of that is about myself, of course. Or maybe it's mostly it's like how how do I relate to that? Um yeah.
0: Yeah, that that's powerful. And I, I think finding relation is so much about being present, right? And and I think yeah. about the mindset that I carry through this idea of think unbroken and stepping yeah. into this power of recognizing that society often labels people who are misfits as broken, right? Mm-hmm. How, how dare you play football and want to write, right? Very much yeah. my experience and going through that. Mm-hmm. How dare you be a person of color and want to write very much my mm-hmm. experience. You're broken. Mm-hmm. You don't apply to this system. And I found that mm-hmm. through that, you know, expressing myself as a person of color in a world that would rather keep me silent, really helped me step into my power. Have you experienced anything like that in your journey of, and nothing necessarily as, as whether it be a person of color, whether it be as a man, as an athlete, as a, a poet, but as you discover who you are, what power has writing given you?
1: You know, the older I get, I think the more, um, I mean, there's all kinds of ways that, you know, like, like sort of t- carrying on some of the previous ways that I was sort of answering, you know, there's ways that, you know, the, when, I enter, when I'm writing something, I'm writing with a question I'm writing and, you know, I, I, write, I write about st- things that I do not know or do not understand. And the writing is a kind of way to engage in some way with what I do not understand. So there's a way that my writing, Um, my writing life, my engagement with writing, is a way of sort of coming to understand myself and other things more deeply. Um, But there's this other thing, I think, and that catalog of Unabashed Gratitude book, I feel like is, is beginning to sort of get to that. And I have this book called The Book of Delights, where every day for a year, more or less, I wrote a short essay about something that delighted me, Um, and you know it's a it's a full book, not just delightful because it's written by a person. Um, And one of the things that I sort of am finding more and more is that, um, I mean, a couple things. I mean, the first thing is that, like, in writing this book of delights, you know, I'm, I'm writing, you know, every single day almost. I don't do everything every single day like a job um, but I one of the things that I find is I'm like I eventually found out that oh my question is joy joy is my real fundamental question you know like delight is interesting and it's kind of like a segment or some kind of some kind of participant in participant in joy but joy is my real question and joy to me is like this profound and like sort of grave emotion actually and partly it's grave because joy is um Joy to me is like, it, it kind of, something registers as joy or you enter into joy when you're also, you're also deeply aware of the fact that we're going to die, mm-hmm. that we're in the process of dying. And there's some kind of like holding of that understanding with each other. It requires witness, you know, profound witness that, and, and I'm saying the word with, like with W-I-T-H, but I, I hear it, it sounds a little bit like witness. Uh, which is interesting to me at this moment, but but there's a kind of holding each other's whatever you call that, you know, fleetingness, passingness, tenderness, um, which is which is soft and it is um, vulnerable and it's also to me it's a kind you know it's it's this kind of reaching it's a kind of reaching that to me constitutes the reason to be alive you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And so, and this is stuff that I'm sort of thinking, you know, I'm learning this in therapy and I'm learning this in conversation, but I'm also learning it and studying it in my writing. So that in a way, if I were to talk about a kind of power that I'm sort of learning about in my writing, it's in a way, it's the power (laughs) and power is a word that, you know, I would never say it, but it's an interesting word. What I feel like I'm learning is how fundamentally, fundamentally, Entangled I am with you, with everything, how fundamentally entangled we are, how we are not without each other, you know. Mm. And that, and that to me is a kind of, you know, there's all these words for it. One of the words is gratitude to know that we do not exist, we do not exist, you know, without the tree out this window. Like, you know, without, you know. <laughs> without the without the, the bio without what what we do not even recognize is there we do not exist and to sort of like inhabit this this sense of sort of perpetual oh i'm in i'm in a kind of beautiful debt constantly or i am beholden constantly i am not without all of this which is to say and that the word for that you know one of the words for that is gratitude one of the words for that is to me joy you know
0: yeah that's that's so beautiful i'm actually enamored by you saying that because i resonate in such a deep way because i look at the world as interconnected and the yeah. fact that it is so much a part of our community through human connection that brings us together. And, and yes. my experience experiences being this, this kid who was very much lost, right? Yes. Very much on the wrong side of the track, just seeking mm-hmm. something would find mm-hmm. myself completely displaced by writing and deep within mm-hmm. books. And I would be the kid who would elect to take the library class in high school <sighs> yes. so that in the yes. library, I didn't have to exist within the frames of the scope of humanity. But the irony in that is finding the joy in book reading being my connection to humans, right? Mm-hmm. And thinking about this thing as, wow, okay, these words resonate because as writers, and now as a writer and looking at this and thinking about one, the power of a challenge, the fact that you wrote every day or almost seemingly every day to create something for no other reason than the fact that to create it brought you something that felt good or powerful or whatever that word might be that you would use, It's enthralling to me. Mm -hmm. What I'm curious about, and if you don't mind, if I can push you a little bit, because I think that people would appreciate it, is how do you even step into that level of vulnerability with yourself to sit down and take the things that are on your mind and put them into a place where they exist? Not necessarily Mm -hmm. forever, i.e. on the internet, but just out of you and onto the world.
1: Mm. I mean, in one way, it's like, you know, there are things probably that that I don't you know, that I that I keep private, of course. Um, in another way, it's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm, I guess, as a writer, you know, part of my, part of my sort of, one of the ways that I sort of exist in the world is to like, to be like, let's, I'm going to share, I'm going to share my questions. You know, I'm going to share my questions. Um, your question is like, how do you kind of, I think your question is like, how do you get to that point of that vulnerability if I hear you right? like, Yeah,
0: or, within yourself.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, I'm inclined to be like in community, you know, I have people who I love who hold my work and whose work I hold. And so people who can kind of like see what I'm trying to do and be like, this is worthwhile, you know, these questions, you know, this this action or whatever, this, um this thing is is good you know um because i i actually you know i that that matters to me you know people i love and trust being like yeah that's, <laughs> i get that, that that's good um, you know there is this other thing too which is like um you know i'm curious when I'm writing, I'm curious to see in the world the things that I'm writing, you know? So I'm sort of like, I'm, I'm writing in part, We'll see if this touches on your question. I'm writing in part because I want to read. <laughs> I want to read the thing that I'm writing, you know? Like I wanna read it. Um, I want it to be available for me to read, you know? in some way, like I, not that I'm going to read and (laughs) read the thing that I write, but more that I'm, I'm sort of, I think in some way I'm saying there's some kind of need there, you know, so the vulnerability in some way is, or whatever it is, the sort of like the, the willingness to sort of expose one's questions, which is a kind of like, you know, if you think like as a, as a person, so often the thing that we're supposed to sort of perform is a kind of mastery, and a kind of like sureness or whatever, and like (laughs) self-containment, all of which I'm just like, man, that's, so like, I guess, you know, it's an interesting question to be like, well, yeah. So if you're going to sort of offer your questions to a kind of public or to a kind of community, that's a, that is a kind of opening or a kind of, you know, sharing one's, you know, just sharing one's questions can be kind of, you know, offering also one's, frailty or something that feels really valuable to me but it also as i'm kind of tying it back to my other thing it also feels valuable to me to read it you know what i mean so the making of it feels valuable and also in the making of it there's also this kind of reading of it so it feels like in a way i'm kind of being like it's not just for readers at all you know it's primarily (laughs) it's first for me like i'm doing it for me first You know, I
0: I, I resonate that like entirely because I, I think about that too. And I've challenged myself in the similar way as you were. I have probably written something every day for not probably I have written something every day for probably two and a half years at this point. Yeah, because I because it's for me. Like that's, that's what I always try to convey to people. Like if you take time to be present with yourself, what you put on paper can be really beautiful. Now it could be cathartic. It could be angry. It could be any of the emotions that exist within the realm of being a human being. Um, I would love Ross, if if we could transition a little bit here and you share some of your writing for you, but for me also.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I think I'm going to read like, um, I'll read um, one of the delights, um, one of the, at least one of these delights and maybe in a poem or maybe a couple, but this is one. So in this book of delights, I have these two long essays. Oh, well, one long essay. um, And this is kind of an echo or a coda to that essay. And the essay is called Joy is Such a Human Madness, The Death Between Us. Or like this, in healthy forests, which we might imagine to exist mostly above ground and be wrong in our imagining, given as the bulk of the tree, the roots are reaching through the earth below, there exists a constant communication between those roots and mycelium, where often the ill or weak or stressed are supported by the strong and surplus. By which I mean, a tree over there needs nitrogen and a nearby tree has extra, so the hyphae, So close to the hyphen, the handshake of the punctuation world, the fungal ambulances ferry it over, constantly, this tree to that, that one to this. And that in a tablespoon of rich fungal dust, a delight, the phrase fungal dust, meaning a healthy forest soil swirling with the living the dead make, are miles and miles of hyphen, handshakes. Who get a little sugar for their work. The pronoun who turned the mushrooms into people. Yes, it did Evolved the people into mushrooms. Because in trying to articulate what perhaps joy is, it has occurred to me that among other things, the trees and the mushrooms have shown me this, joy is the mostly invisible, the underground union between us, you and me which is, among other things, the great fact of our life and the lives of everyone and thing we love going away. If we sink a spoon into that fact, into the dust between us, we will find it teeming. It will look like all the books ever written. It will look like all the nerves in a body. We might call it sorrow, but we might call it a union, one that. Once we notice it, once we bring it into the light, might become flower and food, might be joy.
0: That's so beautiful. And and, and 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 in that, and not to translate it because the words are powerful, I just hear community and togetherness and oneness yeah. and support and doing that thing for each other that we may in fact need for ourselves.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like is there a way Yeah, I'm just so interested in the ways that we actually practice, we practice, we practice our indebtedness to one another. Mm. And, and, and. um.
0: And there's survival in that.
1: Oh, uh, (laughs) that's it. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is called Sorrow Is Not My Name. And it's after Gwendolyn Brooks, beautiful poet. No matter the pull toward brink, no matter the florid deep sleep awaits, there is a time for everything. Look, just this morning, a vulture nodded his red grizzled head at me and I looked at him, admiring the sickle of his beak. Then the wind kicked up and after arranging that good suit of feathers, he up and took off, just like that. And to boot, there are on this planet alone, something like two Million naturally occurring sweet things. Some with names so gorgeous as to kick the steel from my knees. Agave, persimmon, stickball, the purple okra I bought for two bucks at the market. Think of that. The long night, the skeleton in the mirror, the man behind me on the bus taking notes. Yeah, yeah. But look, my niece is running through a field calling my name. My neighbor sings like an angel. And at the end of my block is a basketball court. I remember my color is green on spring.
0: Mm. It's beautiful. It's observation, it. right? It's like being in the world. Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah, Ross. Yeah. What, how, how does it feel for you? Like even reading something that you've created for yourself? What yeah. comes from that?
1: You know, it does feel like um, gratitude is a feeling, you know, gratitude is a feeling because if the work is of use to people, I just feel like that feels, I feel grateful to it. Um, And I feel grateful to being like part of a kind of stream of of things, you know, a beautiful thing, the older I get, the more I'm like, I read a poem and I hear all of the people who showed me how to write a poem all of the people, you know, and so I have all of these people kind of speaking through me and all of these voices that I sort of, and just lucky enough to sort of like wash around with, you know, now yeah. you feel really hell. And then to sort of, when I am lucky enough to sort of know that, I mean, when I'm, moved, when I'm moved by the work but when I'm also witness to someone else or learn that someone else has been moved by the work, I feel like gratitude is the word. That that's
0: beautiful and, and it all started with you making a decision to do something that you thought would bring value to your life first right and that's yeah. that's really powerful that's really beautiful um and i Rob- want to
1: say too i want to say too it also started with people helping me yeah
0: sure. that's beautiful people, my friend
1: people helping me to do that yeah
0: yeah, I love that. And I mean, I think about my journey and where I am as a coach and a mentor and an author and someone yeah. who had straight Fs in high school and straight yeah. Fs in writing across the board and how to be like, wow, I, I've done these things. It was with the help of other people. Oh, and, and that is something profound that I leverage every single day of my life. Ross, yeah. I'm gonna ask you one more question before we get yeah. out of here. And that is, what does it mean to you to think unbroken?
1: I don't know, you know, I feel like um there's ways of a kind of poeticness um, I have a kind of poetic engagement with that um, um, and i also I feel like <laughs> I feel, I feel like how it makes me ask all these questions. Like, mm-hmm. how do we think with brokenness? How do we think through brokenness? How um, how does our thinking together unbreak us? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? How does our together unbreak us? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's some things. We could go on. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that's beautiful. I love. You know what? There, there's there's a lot of beauty in that. Ross, my friend, where can everybody find you?
1: I have a a website. Um, I think it's rossgay.net, but (laughs) you know, that's the thing, you could just, if you want to find a book, you could Google it. Bookshop, your independent bookstore, that's the place, that's the place.
0: I love it. Ross, if you would like to leave us with a poem, that would be amazing. To Unbroken Nation, thank you so much for being here. Please like, subscribe, follow, share with a friend. And we're gonna act a little bit differently and let my friend Ross Gay lead the charge.
1: You got it. Opera singer. Today, my heart is so fat with grief that I've begun hauling it in a wheelbarrow. No. It's an anvil dragging from my neck as I swim through choppy waters swollen with the putrid corpses of hippos, which means lurking somewhere below is the hungry snout of a croc waiting to spin me into an oblivion worse than this run-on simile, which means only to say, I'm sad. And everyone knows what that means. And in my sadness, I'll walk to a cafe and not see light in the trees or finger the bills in my pocket as I pass the boarded houses on the block. No, I will be slogging through the obscure country of my sadness in all its monotone flourish. And so imagine my surprise when my self absorption gets usurped by the sound of opera streaming from an open window. And the sun peaks ever so slightly from behind his shawl, and this singing is getting closer so so that I can hear the delicately rolled R's like a hummingbird fluttering the tongue, which means a language more beautiful than my own. And I don't recognize the song, though I'm jogging toward it and can hear the woman's breathing through the record's imperfections. And above me, two bluebirds dive and dart, and a rogue mulberry branch leaning over an abandoned lot drags itself across my face, staining it purple and looking now like a mad warrior of glee and relief, I run down the street. And I forgot to mention the 50 or so kids running behind me. Some in diapers, some barefoot, all of them winged and waving their pacifiers and training wheels and nearly trampling me. When in a doorway, I see a woman in slippers and a floral house dress blowing in the warm breeze, who is maybe 70, painting the doorway. And friends, it is not too much to say it was heaven sailing from her mouth. And all the fish in the sea and giraffe saunter and sugar in my tea and the forgotten angles of love and every name of the unborn and dead from this abuelita only glancing at me before turning back to her earnest work of breaststroke and lullaby. And because we all know the tongue's clumsy studying makes of miracles, anecdotes, let me stop here and tell you I said thank you.